0: You can also follow Linnell on Twitter and Instagram at the handle Linnell Harris. In this recording, Linnell continues his series on leadership. In this third part, Linnell asks his radio audience, What does it take to lead in the 21st century? And, What is the 21st century? Let's join the conversation.
1: This month, we have been talking about leadership. And the first week of the month, I asked the question, What makes a good leader? And then the following week, I asked the question, are leaders born or developed or are leaders made? You know, another way to think about that question. And then I also asked, is leadership a title or a state of being? And so we had some, uh, some great dialogue so far, and um, I still want to know what you all think. But this week, I'm asking a different question, and that question is, what does it take To lead in the 21st century. And I'll spend a little time this evening also talking about what is the 21st century. And to lead into the conversation, I'm going to take some time to really define, like to really get into depth about what the 21st century has become. Because I believe many of us are still caught up in the way of life that we used to live about two to three decades ago. And that's over. But sometimes, the remnants of that still exist and how we go about leading in particular, since that's the overarching subject. So the questions for this evening are as follows. What does it take to lead in the 21st century? And what is the 21st century? And so I'm going to get right into tonight's topic. I want to use all the time I have. And to start, I have to ensure we are all clear about what the 21st century really is and what it means and what has happened and what is still happening in regards to the 21st century. And so in order to do that, I believe that we have to take a step back and look at history. And I'll say stick with me here because I'm going to go back all the way to the Paleolithic age. I know some of you guys are like, Paleo what? But basically the Stone Age, right? So 8000 B.C., and stick with me because I'm doing this for a reason because I want you guys to see something tonight. Before we get into leadership about the 21st century, I think it's really critical that we understand the environment, the era that we're in now. And so you go back to the Paleolithic Age, 8000 B.C., that was the Stone Age, right? That's what we know as the Stone Age. And that lasted about 5,000 years, And then right behind that came what I often call the Metal Age, but it's not necessarily the proper way to define it. It's really the Bronze and Iron Age. But that was in 2000 B.C., and that lasted 3,000 years. And then behind that came the Middle Ages, right? And this is after Christ's death, so A.D. 400 to 1750. And that lasted 1,500 years. And then came the industrial industrial age, and that was in 1760 all the way up to 1990, and that lasted 250 years. All right. So real quick, if you follow that, what you will notice is that as I've gone on, right, as I've gone on, you'll notice that the Stone Age, the Metal Age, the Middle Age, the Industrial Age, the time lengths got shorter, right. So, Stone Age 5000, Metal Age 3000, Middle Ages 1500, Industrial Age 250 years. All right. And so that takes us to where we are now, right? And that's the Information Age. And the Information Age started in 1990, and it spans into this is the current era. But the question I have is is it already ending? And now, remember, I'm asking this from the perspective of leadership, right? So we've been talking about leadership. We've been talking about you know what makes a leader, why we need leaders, et cetera, what makes a bad leader. Some of that's come up, how important leaders are, especially in our community. And so here we are in the information age. And in my opinion, in a lot of ways, I don't think we've adequately really taken advantage of this age quite yet, especially leaders and An even more provocative question is, is it already ending? So is the information age already ending? And this is a topic I've discussed uh, in quite a few venues, speeches I've given throughout the country. And I've never had this conversation on the air with this audience. And I I thought it was important because it's tough to bring up leadership without really defining the times in which we as leaders, those of us who are leaders, have to leave, right? Well, my answer to is the information age already ending is yes, I believe so. And the reason why is history is the best indicator of the future, right? And so if you look at these eras, right, the five eras I just talked about, Stone Age all the way through the information age, you can see that the amount of time that it took to transition eras decreased. And they decrease dramatically as you get past the Middle Ages, right? Middle Ages, 1,500 years. Industrial Age, 250 years. Information Age, if you look at it being 1990 and now it's 2014, almost 25 years, right? And so what that would mean if you do some type of you know, regression analysis on the numbers is that the Information Age should be ending right about now. So maybe, you know, plus or minus five years, right? So maybe they last another five years, another, maybe another decade. But for all intensive purposes, this age is probably over with and we're moving to a new age. And so I know the question is, all right, Linnell, then what is the new age? I've actually talked about it on, on the show before. I haven't gone into a lot of detail. But what I do believe the next age will be is the robotic age. And just look around you. I can remember... Back in December, reading the Wall Street Journal, and there was an article in the Wall Street Journal that was talking about how McDonald's is buying, well, not buying, but they bought 7,000 kiosks. You know, a kiosk is not necessarily a, a moving machine or a moving robot, but it will replace a human. And we haven't seen them in Chicago quite yet, or at least I'm not aware of them being in Chicago, but I spent some time in Europe in December of last year, and they were there. So you know, it's interesting because often I think that we're not always thinking about these things because we don't see them, but they are being tested and tried in other countries. And once they hit the states, I think they're gonna hit the states with quite some momentum. And so what does that mean? What does that mean for our community? What does that mean for leaders in the future? You know, so something to, you know, stop and think about. Another indication of the robotic age, and I, I've shared this before, it's quite some time ago, but in April of last year, Foxconn, and Foxconn is a company that creates the small pieces in your cell phones. So in your smartphone, you have, you know, different chips and fibers, etc., and Foxconn produces these chips and fibers that is required to make your cell phone work. And actually this is the company that Apple got us some trouble, some PR trouble with, in regards to sweatshops in China. But that's not what I want to talk about. What I want to share is that Foxconn last year made an order for one million robots. And I shared that some time ago, but they made an order for one million robots. Well, one million robots for what, you might ask? Well they have Foxconn has a workforce of 963,000 people, most of which are doing manual labor in uh, work warehouses. I'll say warehouses, not necessarily sweatshops, but they probably are sweatshops, all throughout Southeast Asia. And I believe they're headquartered in Malaysia. But they ordered one million robots. And so another indication of the robotic age looming uh, is having a conversation with a friend of mine who is uh, an engineer for one of our, I guess, parcel services. I don't want to give it away. But he talked about how when you go into the warehouse in the past, there were lots of humans passing boxes. And now there are robots that are basically handling a lot of the package moving. So again, jobs that humans have had that robots are taking over. All right, so there's a lot to think about there. Why did I bring that up? Well, because when you shift eras, what is introduced is change. And it's not just regular change. It's something that I've kind of dubbed as change squared. Because change squared is you know is exponential change. And we're right on the precipice of uh, this movement. And we're talking about leadership. So what does that mean in regards to leadership? Well, first, let me finish defining the 21st century. All right. So stick with me here. And if you're just joining, I gave some reasons why I believe the information age is coming to a close and the next era will be the robotic age. But let's look at the 21st century in particular. and Let's take some cues from that. Okay. so what is the 21st century? Well, first, you know, to define it, The 21st century started January 1st, 2001. And so we're only 13 years into the century. Yet so much has happened. And when you think about what's happened in particular, 2001 started off with a bang, if you can remember, right? 9-11. You know, nine months into the year, 9-11 happened. One of the, or the worst, disaster on American soil in hundreds of years 3,000 people lost, and we're introduced to this new term called terror. And that's how the century started. Well, shortly after that, we attack Afghanistan. But there's a few other things that happened, right? The stock markets fell. We went into the beginning of what was an economic crisis. And while all of this is happening, something else happened that year, too. Actually, two things Wikipedia was started. And so was TripAdvisor. And I know those seem to be like when you bring up 9-11, you bring up going to war, when you bring up economic crisis. I know somebody out there is probably thinking, well, OK, why would you share Wikipedia and TripAdvisor? Well, because you're going to begin to see a trend of something taking place in the 21st century. And as as leaders or as progressive individuals, I think often there's a piece of what is taking place right underneath our noses that we haven't necessarily seen. So let's fast forward to 2002, 2002, you know, we were, we were trying to evaluate whether we were in a recession and it became very clear. Yes, we are. We are in a recession and unemployment spiked. And I always say that any graduates, you know, anybody class of 2002, I think they can tell you better than I can, that that probably was a very bad year to be graduating from college. But at the same time, LinkedIn, the social site for employment, came to be so interesting because as you see chaos on one side, there are solutions combined with the technology of our age introduced on the other. So let's fast forward to 2003, right? We invade Iraq, topple Saddam Hussein, MySpace is born. You go to 2004, all across Europe, the color revolution is happening, and I'm not sure how aware you all are, are, are of that, but it's good to Google, because what you will realize is a lot of what we're seeing in regards to the uprisings, to the demonstrations that are taking place today, are no different than what's been happening for most of the century, the 21st century, that is, and so the color revolution which is actually spelled C O L O U R if you're Googling it. Five countries held nonviolent protests and actually completely shifted their governments Ukraine, Georgia, Yugoslavia, uh, Lebanon, Kyrgyzstan, all of which just, it started in 2003 and ran through uh, 2005. I'm sorry, I think Yugoslavia may have started sooner than that. But the color revolution took place in 2004. And interestingly enough, Facebook came to be in 2004. Facebook is 10 years old, yet it has defined this century. So keep that in mind. So again, what is the 21st century? You know, so we're talking about, you know, keep, you know, keep your leadership cap on, we're talking about the 21st century. And what is it Exactly because something has shifted, right? We're we're in this information age. We're completely out of the industrial age. But when you look at our systems, our processes, a lot of our systems and processes still have the industrial age all over them. And we wonder why we you know, why from a leadership perspective things are broken. And my take is that we are leading with competencies that no longer matter in this era. More to come on that. Let's keep going with the 21st century, though. So 2005, YouTube is introduced. Hard to think about a world or living in a world without YouTube, but YouTube is introduced. 2006, Twitter is introduced. And there are things going on all over the world. Why is this happening, right? North Korea conducts its first nuclear test and catches the, the attention of the... Uh, International Society, 2007, Nepal's monarchy is overthrown, a monarchy that lasted for hundreds of years. And something else significant happened in 2007. The iPhone is introduced by Apple. The iPhone is only seven years old. Uh, <laughs> and so I, I hope I'm bringing a different perspective to, you know, to how we think about this century. 2007, India, Alexis' first female, as president in 2007 and, you know, I spent a lot of time in India and I can tell you that was quite shocking and, you know, so again, keeping your leadership cap on, what does that mean? 2008, the global economy skids into another recession. In 2009, Barack Obama is elected and inaugurated as the first African-American president of the United States. Big stuff. Never happened before. And then right behind that, Australia elects Julia Gillard, who is the first female elected prime minister of Australia. So that's as far as I'll go in regards to details about the 21st century. I think, you know, you all can go back and look at the last four years, you know, 2011, 12, 13, and now 14, and you have a pretty good take on what's been introduced and what's happening from a global perspective. But I, I do want to share two things. And the first is, of the bad things, and there were some bad things that happened in the last 13 years. We get introduced to this term called terror. We've been at war. We've been in an ongoing economic recession. And unemployment has spiked quite a bit. And it seems like That is starting to, we're starting to get our hands around that for now. When I say for now, because again, remember the robotic age is coming. Now, the good that came out of, you know, these first 13 years of the 21st century is innovation, democratic revolution all over the world, and a lot of inspirational leadership. What you notice is, and so this is where I'm getting to the leadership point. What you begin to notice is that the masses, the people, are no longer concerned so much with what a leader looks like, what gender the leader is, but what the masses, and again, I'm saying the masses, right, because I think we still have a minority that cares, but what the masses care about is effective and inspirational leadership. So that is is what marks the 21st century. All right, so if you're with me, you've heard what I've talked about. Anybody just joining, just covered, really, historically, what's taken place in the last 13 years, which is the last 13 years marks the 21st century. Here is the takeaway. Imagine that you're a child between the ages of 12 and 18. Your point of view on the 21st century is completely different. And I think this is one of the things, like, we, we look at children, we look at the Generation Y, and often we don't understand why they do the things they do. But they've grown up in a century or in an era that has completely shifted from what those of us who grew up in, you know, the early information age or the last parts of the industrial age Experience Like, it's completely different to them. So if you're 10 years of age at the beginning of the 21st century, and now you're 23, 24 years old, like, you get what I'm talking about. But for those of you who are much older, you know, part of our ability to lead will be taking on that perspective. And it's interesting. Last year, I was at the World Business Forum and actually spent some time on the show talking about the forum. So if you haven't heard that show, you can always catch it on my blog at www.inspirationalperspective.com. But one of the things I took away from the forum was a quote by Jack Welsh. And what he said is, every manager over 35 should be considered dangerous. And then he asked the question right behind it, he said, why? So why would I say that? And what he shared after that is, he said, because the rhythm of business hasn't changed in 40 years, yet everything else has. And so as I get into the competencies of 21st century leader, I would say one of the most important competencies is the competence Of change management, but much more than change management, is the ability to anticipate change. So not just that I can, you know, lead other people through change, lead myself through change, identify the emotions, the distractions that change creates not just for me and other people, but also the ability to anticipate what may be happening next that I will have to lead someone through. And often I think we have our heads down and we're not really thinking about what's happening. It's funny, this past week I was uh, online and I saw a, I saw a you know, little blurb that says, A drone walks a dog. Now I thought to myself, A drone walks a dog. So I had to check this out. So I went to the, the webpage and there they had a video, a YouTube video, of a drone, a flying drone, actually walking a dog and so i think often you know like it seems weird right now but if you look at and begin to really think about how fast technology is moving five years from now that might not be weird depending on what neighborhood you live in depending on what nation you live in depending on what city you live in it may not be weird You know, Amazon, some of these large companies are already trying to to figure out how to deliver packages with drones. So one of the things I'll say is, you know, enjoy clear blue skies without the hum of some type of machinery nearby. Because, you know, a decade from now, more than likely you will look up when you walk outside and see drones coming and going, some with packages, some that could be policing Watching, making sure no one is doing anything illegal. So thinking about a completely different way of living, state of being. Recently, I provided the keynote speech at a large leadership conference. And I shared a talk about what makes a leader effective. And um, along with the new competencies of leadership in the 21st century, I talked about in particular you know, effective leadership. And I've shared before that the numbers say that only 11 percent of leaders in North America are effective. I wonder what it is for our community, you know, in particular. But the overarching number is 11 percent. And so I was giving this talk and I started my talk and at the beginning beginning of every talk, just like I do for the radio show, you know, I, I like to have some interaction. So I told the audience, if you have questions, Uh, If there's something that I say that you want to share, feel free to take out your mobile device and tweet. And I I gave my Twitter handle, which is at Linnell Harris, and, you know, basically provided that as an opportunity for the audience to ask questions later on, etc., since there was no Q&A. And after finishing my speech, I stuck around for a few minutes to answer questions from a group of listeners that had kind of formed a line near the stage and most of the people in line, they did the regular stuff, right? Shake hands, compliments, you know, a picture here or there, which I'm always kind of blown away by, but that's pretty cool. And, you know, most of the questions they had related to the material I shared. However, there was one person that didn't share their perspectives. And in fact, she was quite offended about a number of points I made in my talk, some of which I, I shared with you guys just now. And overall, What offended her most was the references I made about the wave of trends and technology and how I suggested great leaders should handle them. And to finalize her displeasure, she then chastised me for even mentioning Twitter. And also for making myself available exclusively to the audience members who use Twitter. And so, you know, I thanked her for her feedback and suggested, you know, you should check Twitter out. And, you know, she just kind of scoffed and, and walked away. Now, unfortunately, and this is a leadership conference, by the way. And so unfortunately, this leader didn't really understand the competencies I had just shared uh, for being a successful leader in the 21st century. And so what I'm going to do tonight, I'm going to begin to talk about these competencies. And as you guys have questions, feel free to call in. But here are the seven skills a 21st century leader will need to succeed. And the first is a 21st century leader must understand how what's happening now will predict and impact what will happen later. And I I just opened up with that a moment ago, right? Are you anticipating the future? I can't express how concerning It is for me when I work with leaders and I realize that they are so caught up in fighting fires and not adequately thinking about strategy for how they will lead through the technological changes that are happening. I've also shared that within the black community in particular, one of the things I'm most worried about is we already have a gap, right, an economic gap which is typically the consequence of knowledge. In my opinion, knowledge is typically, you know, what causes the gap, right? And as technology continues to progress, my take on it is that if we don't begin to close the gap and really understand and take advantage of technology... And that doesn't mean just to be a user, but to really understand it and understand the trend that it is placing in the marketplace, that we will be even further left behind. right? So right now we already have an economic gap, a uh, knowledge gap, and technology is now coming in and will basically blow the gap wide open, even further than what it is today. And That's just my take. That's my opinion. And so we have a problem. So competency number one is understands how a good leader understands how what's happening now will predict and impact what will happen later. Good leaders understand the change management process and how to lead their teams through change or the people to change. A great 21st century leader not only has a change management competence, but they also can identify today's trends and use them to predict and understand the environment in which they'll have to compete and lead in tomorrow. That's number one. And it's probably the biggest one. Because what sense does it make to be a great leader today and tomorrow completely unprepared and lack the knowledge and skills to lead in that particular environment? There's a quote by Bill Hybels. And he says that real leaders learn, you know, and uh, that If you're a real lead, basically what he's saying is real leaders learn, and to learn, you have to read. So if you're not reading, you're not leading yourself, and if you're not adequately leading yourself, then the people who are following you are being basically inadequately led. So a good place to check, you know, uh, what are you reading? What are you observing? What are you looking at that is allowing you to really, truly identify today's trends? and use them to predict and understand the environment in which you'll be competing tomorrow. All right, so let's move to number two. Number two is knows the importance of self-care. And (laughs) here's the deal. The stress of leading in this fast-paced environment, ever-changing environment of today's marketplace, can be downright impossible. And that's why... Any leader that wants to be consistently successful has to be sure to focus on their well-being. It's interesting. Tonight, I was out for a run, and I was, I was just thinking about, so what is it that causes a person to be completely fulfilled, right? Because life is complex. And as I was thinking about it, one of the things that came to mind is, all right, well, the human body has you know, four major you know, chemical components or hormones, whatever you want to call them, that basically has a lot to do with our overall social interactions as human beings. And endorphins is one of them, right? But endorphins typically are that thing or that hormone that is released when we exercise. <laughs> and so, you know, I'm not going to go into all of it now. it it'd probably be a blog later. But you have, you know, you have endorphins, you have dopamines, uh, serotonin, cortisol, cortisol is a stress. That's what the other four, the oxytocin. those four are trying to keep the cortisol, You basically, you know, in some ways trying to keep that cortisol off. But self-care is really the ability to ensure that all those chemicals are doing the right things in your body so you are properly taken care of. Like as the leader – you are in good shape, pun intended. (laughs) And so that's why I think any leader that wants to be consistently successful has to be sure to focus on their well-being. Well-being is huge, especially in this environment. Nothing will prevent a leader from rising to the occasion like stress coupled with fatigue. And, you know, I think all of you all could agree that when you are fatigued, You are more likely to be short. You're more likely to make quick decisions, more likely to jump to an emotional conclusion. And so if you're leading something, more than likely, that's probably not a good place to be. And so as a leader, you have to lead yourself to bed. Make sure you're getting adequate sleep. Make sure you're getting adequate exercise. I think one of the things that we don't realize is that 20% of the body's energy is consumed daily by the brain. So whether or not you, you, you might be like, okay, I sit at the office, I don't have to necessarily worry about being that fatigued. Yes, you do. You actually may be more fatigued than an individual who is doing manual labor, right? Their body may be tired, but their mind may not. Where in your case, your mind is tired. And where do you think you're going to get the next decision? So I'm sure that, per, you know, that percentage jumps a bit when you're solving complex business problems all day. I mean, so 20% just based on you know, the body you know, the that's the energy that the brain consumes. Now, you know, add on complex problems and decision-making all day, you're more than likely using much more than 20%. So good leaders don't check out of the game because they don't care. My belief is they check out the game because they're fatigued or they're sick. And sickness is a way of checking out, uh, <laughs> you know, As a coach, typically when I have a client that's sick, I'm like, all right, let's take a look like what's going on. More than likely, you know, it was a physical manifestation of checking out of a particular uh, problem or a challenge of some sort. Now, the body has a unique way of doing that for us. All right. So I'm going to move on to number three. Number three is confident enough to be vulnerable and authentic and i've said this before but as human beings we're adept at identifying a fraud and nobody wants to follow a fraud nobody so it's funny to me when leaders believe they can deceive their teams into thinking they're being real when they're not really being real you know people will eventually find out that you know you're being a fraud and when they do you will lose the respect of the individuals you're trying to lead and once you lose the respect, it is becomes very difficult to lead anybody anywhere. As leaders, we often ask our employees to take risk, or to take the risk of bearing their souls to us and telling us what's wrong, telling us when we when they need help. Yet we refuse to basically live that example or lead by example when it comes to us. So, as a leader, can I say? hey, you know what, I don't know the answers to that or I'm going to need your help. Because being a leader is not having all the answers. It's actually being confident and real enough to admit that you don't. And nothing can undermine a leader more than being fake. And so if you've been fake, if you're guilty of not being authentic, get real. It's the best advice I have for you. All right, number four, appreciating differences. You know, so a lot of you guys know that professionally, you know, so I'm a Fortune 500 executive chief diversity officer, and this is the work that I do. The 21st century workplace is already diverse. But within the next decade, it will be even more diverse. And so workplace diversity is partly a consequence of globalization And the United States changing demographics and is not going to change, right? It's moving the other way. The minority is quickly becoming the majority in the United States, as evidenced in the last election. So as more companies begin to understand the tangible link between their workforce diversity and overall profitability, these companies will push to have more diversity at all levels of the organization, right? I mean, that's just the best thing to do if you want to go to market and people actually buy your products and have products that actually meet the needs of the diverse community. And so leaders that lack a competence in inclusion will eventually find themselves unmarketable despite the other expertise they may have. And I, I think it's just that clear, cut, and dry. And you see it happening already. You can be the owner. And if you don't have this competence... The ability to appreciate differences, then you know you can lose what you own, as we see in the case of Donald Sterling. I would not be surprised if we see more of that. So, you know, I'm talking to a largely diverse community. You may say to yourself, "Well, I'm good." Uh, not so quick, because inclusion is a competence, and so since it's a competence, that means that it's a skill, and so. Just because you may be black, just because you may be Hispanic, just because you may be a woman does not mean that you've mastered that competence. It takes work. And so even you need to make sure that you you have a clear take on the competence. All right. Number five, as we kind of go into the home stretch, a leader that leads all the time, not just when it's convenient. Okay, I could spend the whole show on that. But here's the long and short, right, in reference to time. Great leaders don't wait around for the optimal situation or circumstance to lead. Instead, they step into chaos and mayhem to lead and problem solve, thereby bringing about order. That's what a leader does. It's not, ah, well, you know, I would, but the right people aren't over there, or I would, if I had more resources, or I would if this, or I would if that, real leaders, leaders who are ready for the challenges of the 21st century, lead all the time, not just when it's convenient. They step in, they lead, hands down. And if there's, I think, any of these that is the most challenging, it's probably that one. Number six, a leader is technically, in the 21st century, is technically savvy. Technically savvy. So right now, if you're, you're like, I'm a leader, I do this, I let everybody else handle my technical stuff, then you are, you are basically setting yourself up for failure in this era. Yeah, we're only 13 years in, but if you plan on being around in the next decade, you might want to get started on increasing your overall technical acumen. Because we live in a brand new era. I mean, the industrial revolution is over. We are two and a half decades into the information age. Computers, mobile devices, the World Wide Web, and social media are the cornerstones of this era. And almost 100% of all Fortune 500 companies play in or on the four cornerstones I just mentioned. They all play. They play with computers, they play with mobile, de- mobile devices, and they play with the World Wide Web and in social media. And so if you aren't, then what basically sets you apart from what large companies can do? It's an imperative now that as an individual that you're astute enough to begin to build your own brand. So how can any leader expect to advance, grow and develop if they refuse to learn how to use all these tools proficiently? You know, it's amazing to me how many leaders I know who they still haven't really figured out LinkedIn. All right. Now, it's cool if you're about to retire, but if you plan on being in the workforce and being relevant in the next five to 10 years, you got to figure this out. So when you refuse to use a smartphone, when you refuse to get on Facebook, when you refuse to get on LinkedIn and or Twitter, you're not hurting anybody but yourself. You are damaging your own relevance as a marketable leader in the next decade. (laughs) So my message to you is stop fooling yourself and change. Now number seven, always learning, all right? And if you're listening to this show, that means you're doing a good job of that. But the long and short here, there's been more data produced in the last two years than what was produced in all time. So I started the show talking about the Paleolithic age, right? So you can go back to recorded time, and there's been more data produced in the last two years than all of the data up to that point. So, you know, so taking to why you swallow that. It's important for us to understand we'll never be able to absorb all the information that is at our fingertips. But we can use the Internet as a tool to become experts at our craft. And, you know, I know this personally. Google is an amazing teacher. And if you're willing to spend the time in her classroom, then you will always be learning, always basically taking yourself to the next level. All right. So. All right. Those are the seven competencies. I kind of talked about the shifting tides of the 21st century this evening and, you know, what will be required for leaders who wants to succeed, who wants to succeed uh, in the future. Uh, If you have, you know, questions about that, again, you can hit me on Twitter at Harris. You can always follow me on Facebook on Inspirational Perspective. But to close the show, you know, I'll leave you with the Robert Louis Stevenson quote. The measure of success is not in the harvest you reap, but in the seeds you plant. And leaders also plant seeds.
0: This episode of Inspirational Perspective was recorded at the Midway Broadcasting Corporation in Chicago, Illinois, on WVON 1690 AM, The Talk of Chicago. Thank you for listening. Go to the Inspirational Perspective Facebook page and like the page. Follow Linnell Harris on social media at the handle Linnell Harris. You can find him on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with that handle. Text INSPIRED to 43783 to receive free inspirational quotes and updates.